It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. Joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how are you today? Yeah, I think still doing very well. Um, you know, we were on just a moment ago, really, to record the, the Golazzo podcast. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> still doing very well, Bryce. How, how's it <laughs> over there? You recovered from your Mexican session? Yeah, yeah, yes. I've had dinner since. So, uh, yeah, pretty good, I suppose. Um, well, we'll, we'll uh, move past, uh, you then. And so uh, we'll go to, um, someone that I also, uh, haven't spoke to or seen in a while. And that's, uh, Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? What have you been up to? Well, I had a, a romantic Sunday with you, didn't I? In the Emirates where we watched, um, RB Leipzig win. Um, and then we, uh, upset everybody in the Arsenal press box by leaving. Well, I left anyway and on the way out. That guy was said, um, it's half time. Arsenal still playing. I was like, sorry, mate. I only covered German football. See you later. Thanks for your hospitality. Bye. Yeah, he wasn't too impressed with that one, was he? No, he was happy. He was nice. And uh, thank you, Arsenal, by the way. Looked after us really well. Accommodate us very late notice. Yeah, they did. Thank you very much for us. They, um, uh, they, they run a, well, a hell of a bit of hospitality there in the, in the ground. It was very impressive. Thanks for having us. We'll did hopefully guys, be there again soon. Did you guys Just ask don't them how they cake. did you guys ask them how they rigged the tournament? <laughs> I, I I was home by then. I wasn't. I was still there and I don't think anyone in the ground really understood what was going on. So after the stadium started to leave and basically there's four teams in a group, um and they they all play two games. So they don't even play everyone. And yeah, Sevilla beat them on the final day, the final game. Uh, and yeah, half the stadium left. And then while they were leaving, they went, we're going to go to the table to see who's, who's won and what's happened with the table. And they've counted all the goals as points as well. And Arsenal were level on points with Sevilla on nine points. And they went, Oh, and we're going to go to a goal scored and Arsenal have won, even though they had won one game and Sevilla had won two. So miraculously, they won and all the fans turned around and uh, came back to watch them lift the trophy. Unbelievable. Convenient. Yeah, very convenient. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Um, yeah, well, it, but it was a, it was a great experience. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we did a lot of tweeting from there. Uh, we, we got a few video clips. We, you know, from, uh, obviously not of the games, but, uh, of, uh, interviews and, uh, got, got to speak to a few people ourselves, didn't we, Chris? Um, it was, it was a very productive weekend, uh, for football grad. Yeah. One uh, of us also did a minute by minute report. Yes, uh, it wasn't me, so I, I enjoyed the whole experience, to be honest. 
Um, the game wasn't the best, really, was it, Chris, for your minute to minute? I uh, know, went to um, four minute, so it was four minute by minute report. Yeah, yeah, that that's uh, was definitely a, the best option, I think, to be honest. But um, anyway, we're we're going to we'll we'll speak a little bit about the uh, Emirates Cup uh, all in good time. Uh, I've got to introduce. Our fourth member of the podcast today, um, someone that if you are into uh, Bundesliga 2, uh, and especially if you're on Twitter, you'll know him very well, I'm sure. And that's Johnny Walsh. Johnny, thank you for coming on the show. Um, how have you been this week? I'm sure you've enjoyed uh, the football returning. Yes, Bryce, I'm good, thanks. Um, yeah, it's been great to have the football back. I've been uh lost without it for the last couple of weeks and months so um, it's all built up to welcome against St. Pauli and of course uh, Bochum welcomed me back to the new football season with a loss it would have been weird otherwise so um, yeah I'm good and I hope you're you're all well too Yes most certainly uh, we've got plenty to discuss today but I'm going to ask uh, firstly uh, Johnny a question that I'm sure a, a few of us in the land of Twitter have um, how did you even get into Bundesliga 2 I mean you're very passionate about it uh, which is great because we've always said on the podcast that it's uh, it's a fantastic league it's very competitive uh, we've even mentioned that really in Germany you know uh, the two leagues are very closely matched a lot of the time there's a lot of quality there and yeah a league that we we always mention and think that it should be covered uh with a little bit more interest in the uk and the rest of europe but yeah how did you get into it i'm glad you agree with the coverage part um i'm sure if you follow me you you know that's all i do is moan about how little coverage we get but um yeah I sure I as hell oh, sure as hell wasn't going to disagree i'll tell you that much but um yeah i was in germany to watch actually uh dortmund against braunschweig and um i had the friday night free so it was either köln gegen sandhausen or um against st pauli funny enough so um yeah that was my first game in germany and i'd been back to dortmund and went to leverkusen since but there was just something about um zweite bundesliga and uh, bochum especially that just kept me interested and from there, it's just developing, 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 and um, yeah, I've settled on a bottom now, and um, that's it. Stuck with Zweitliga, the Zweitliga bug as well. Well, oh, fantastic, yeah, very well done. Um, we're we're gonna get into Bundesliga uh, two, and we're gonna talk about the the different fixtures over the weekend, the weekend's action, all in good time, Johnny. But we're gonna bring you into all the conversation that we have today. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, a bit of news that's coming out of uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, they've appointed a new sporting director, Manu. Uh, what have you got to say about this? It's a man that Bayern fans will know all too well. Yeah, Hasan Salihimicic. Uh, uh, Salihimicic. Um, uh, not exactly the easiest way to pronounce, but if you're a Bayern fan, you know this guy is a legend. Um, Hasan is a, was a fan favorite when he played there and he played there for many years. He's a um, Bosnian German, grew up in Germany, um, es- escaped the, the civil war in Yugoslavia and the breakup of the, you know, the various states there and, um, grew up in Northern Germany, but came to Bayern actually from Hamburg in the nineties. And a lot of people didn't expect him that he would have a major impact, but he did. Has, um, was a fan favorite and now he's returning to the club as a sporting director and a little bit of a surprise. Many people last year thought it would be Philip Lahm. He, of course, took the, turned the job down because he wanted to have, um, director position as well, um, on the board. 
Um, Bayern didn't want the new sporting director to have a position on the board. Um, and, uh, therefore they, they kept looking, but it was very apparent that they needed a sporting director, someone who linked up, links up the decision making powers of the club with the actual coaching. Uh, so, uh, a link for Carlo Ancelotti to, to Reschke, who was the, the squad planner and the, the Rummenigge and Hoeneß, of course, were on the very top of the club. So, um, someone who, who helps with completing transfers, but also helps with planning training camps, etc. So, um, Hassan Salihamidzic is the man for it. And, um, it's an interesting appointment for sure. One to keep an eye on, um, I think as we get into the season. Yeah. Krista, were you at all surprised by this appointment? I mean, as Manu said, it was a, a job that originally last year we thought would have went to uh, Philip Lamb. Uh, yeah, a little surprised, um, but yeah, Manu's uh, basically covered all that. He's a bit of a legend, isn't he? Uh, we'll, we'll wait to see how well he works with Ancelotti, really. But we'll, first few weeks of the season, we'll see. If we hear absolutely nothing about him, then he's doing his job perfectly. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Johnny, uh, how much of uh, an influence uh, can you kind of uh, explain to you know, the listeners here, especially if they're new listeners, would a sporting director have uh, at a club like Bayern? Yeah, well, I think it's a difficult one for someone at a club the size of Bayern because, as Manu said, you've got um, the big personalities like uh, Uli Hoeneß and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge at the top of the club and then you're trying to relay that information to Carlo Ancelotti and vice versa. It's it's not going to be an easy job and I think what Chris said about um, if, if we don't hear much about him in the first few weeks then I think he, he will have done a good job but um, certainly not an easy task. I think it was Uli Hoeneß actually said um, if he um, they want to look away from those Hundred million euro transfers towards more of a youth policy, and I think that's an interesting statement to come out, especially with a, a bit of the transfer window left, and Bayern having been linked to Alexis Sanchez as well. I, I think we all know that that was was maybe a bit of a strange one for from a Bayern perspective, but um, yeah, it obviously looks like they're going to be trying to bring forward that youth academy this season. Yes, indeed. Well, at that point, I think we'll uh, move on from Bayern and we'll talk a little bit uh, about what we've seen at the Emirates Cup, uh, Chris. Obviously, uh, RB Leipzig were there. Um, they've been, obviously, you know, a hell of a talking point this summer. Uh, what exactly uh, were you impressed with or what did you uh, what did you pick up from over the weekend? Well, Bryce, I'm going to throw this straight back at you because you went both days. I was only there on Sunday. So you saw the stronger side of the two, which was Saturday's exceptionally strong lineup. So I'm going to ask you, what did you think of Saturday? I must say, um, I thought RB played very well. Um, they were very attacking, um, uh, you know, as we come to expect from them. Uh, also very aggressive. I mean, in the game, we've seen uh, both sides really getting stuck in. Um, I, a lot of the people around me in the uh, press area were actually quite surprised by how aggressive Nabi Keita was. Um, and I said that, well, if we're being honest, uh, I mean, there was plenty of speculation about him over, over the, uh, the preseason, and so that seems to have died down a little bit now. But when he um, went in hard on one of his uh, teammates in training, everyone was like, "Oh, he's unhappy and whatnot." But to be honest, that's Devin Ferry is. He's quite a fiery player. He, he does have a little bit of everything, uh, but that's also a large part of his game as well. They were unfortunate not to win their first game, and uh, then rotated massively in their second game. They weren't quite as good 
in the second one, but uh, managed to pick up a win then. And uh, I, I still thought they were impressive. I thought uh, Oliver Burke, all eyes were on him. Uh, plenty in the press uh, conference after the first game were talking about not just Keita, but Oliver Burke. And I thought he came out really well. I mean, Chris, you were there as well. And I thought he, he had a pretty good performance, really. Yeah, he did. He had a very good performance. He was very strong, wasn't he? And we'll get to um, Ralph Hassenhuttle's thoughts um, in a little bit because we were lucky enough to spend about five minutes with him. Uh, but yeah, you're quite right. They rotated and they played an almost, I wouldn't say the word second string because they all played very well. So Ngovo um, was in goal, who made one cracking save at one point. I thought um, Bruma was excellent and we spoke to Hasselhuttle about him um, and I will, won't I won't steal his sandwiches. I'll let the, the man speak himself. Um, obviously, Hasty was in the centre. Um, the new guy they brought in, Conrad Lama, I, I thought he was okay. Um, Comper obviously was um, was on the score sheet, wasn't he, with his header? Um, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good performance. Um, I was surprised at how uh, they recovered well, so they were quite fluid and. Um, John was with us, wasn't he? John McKenzie, and he spotted it as well, how fluid the um, midfield and strikers were. So um, Burke was central for a bit, and then he was over on the left, and then he was over on the right, and then he was dropping a little bit deeper, and the midfield were making their way past them. Um, so I was quite impressed with by the way they set up, um, especially if you have one eye on what they're going to do this season. Their depth of squad looks quite good. Um, and again, Ralph Hassenhuttle spoke about that, which is... Probably a good time to go to him now, I'd say, Bryce. Yes, that's it. So we obviously got a little bit of time with uh, Ralph over the weekend, which was an absolute delight. And we managed to spring a few questions on him, which we will play for you right about now. Yeah, um, we played today with a completely different team than yesterday. We changed 11 times and uh, with a lot of young players, we tried to to make it as good as possible. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm sure I'm very proud of this uh, game we, we played today because uh, we, after the first 15 minutes, we get a very good uh, yeah, position to, to get balls and to, to get in the counter and the counter attack with Oli with his speed and, and uh, Bruma with his technical one against one was, was the key of, of success today. And I think it was... Uh, a great win for us. It's important for the young players to see how far they are in their development and um, I'm proud of what you played today. Ralph, notice you mentioned Bruma. He did have an exceptional second half. How well has he settled since he arrived from Galatasaray and where do you see him in the next season? Yeah, I think he showed that uh, with the ball he's a very good player. He has a very good one against one. Uh, when he has the ball, it's, it's very difficult to, to 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 catch him, and that's that's a kind of, of of player we didn't have until now in our team. And so it is very important. Uh, this transfer is, I think, uh, makes us better. Absolutely. Um, on the number ten, he he, I think his best position in the end, he was playing striker and. It was not so easy for him, but on the 10, I think the left side today, it was, it was, uh, in the offense, very good, but also in the defense, he tried to, to, to close the, the space and, and help uh, Heisty to, to defend this left side. And that's also important for our game. So I was very proud of him. Oliver Burke, there was reports that he was a little homesick part of last season. 
uh, over in Leipzig? Has he been happy to come back to the UK for this particular tournament? I think so. Uh, I think he, he did a good job today uh, because uh, the first, uh, first half he has uh, two good chances. He's a little bit unlucky in the finish, but um, I think he has uh, made a good step forward in his in his development. And uh, he was hot today. Huh? He wanted to show uh, in his home country, uh, England, Great Britain, that he's, he's uh, yeah. He tries to get back uh, in, in the team that is starting. It's on a good way, I think. It's, it's it's a shame that he didn't score today. He has two chances, but yeah, I, I was not. Uh, I was. It was okay what he did. Yeah, it's no problem. He's he's a very strong man and he can he can make this. Last year, your philosophy, uh, what you do was fantastic. You're very attacking in the Bundesliga. Enjoy watching. Obviously, the Champions League this year, uh, coming up against Europe's finest. Would you still have the philosophy to attack these other sides, or will it be different? Yeah, we try. We will try. Hopefully, um, we can surprise one of the teams. It's our kind of football. It's, it's our uh, philosophy, and um, I think this automatism we, we have in this game we should keep on top. And then, um, when we make it good, then I think we have the chance to beat every every team, mainly at home. We are very strong because of our high speed we, we play and but it would be for us a new a new situation eh? to play three times a week uh, I don't know how, how how we can stand it physically but I hope that and I see now that we have a little more um, alternatives on the bench so we can change more and we can um, get the, the freshest player on the on the pitch and then I, I hope we can uh, be as successful as last year yeah, so that was the main man himself. Uh, Chris, um, yeah, he, he obviously spoke that, you know, um, Oliver Burke, um, he says that he is, is improving, uh, and he was impressed with, uh, Bruma, as well as that he, he, he thinks that they're, they could be anyone on their day, especially when it comes to the Champions League, and he doesn't want to change their philosophy in attacking everyone. Um, I mean, it's all what we kind of expected to hear from him, um, but yeah, it seems like Bruma's going to have a big part to play this season. Yeah, it looks that way. He was very impressed with him, wasn't he? He said that he's a sort of transfer they didn't have last season. And he was impressed not with him uh, just going forward, but with also uh, with his defensive capabilities. He said that they that was something they lacked last season. And if you think back to the game we went to, which obviously ended 5-4 when and they were 4-2 up at one point. Uh, so that is something they will look to because they're going to be coming up against the sort of quality that they faced in Bayern weekly in the Champions League. Because let's not forget, they're going to be in pot four. So they're going to be in a group of death no matter what group they're in. Um, so I was quite impressed by the way he said that he thinks they'll spring some surprises this coming season, um, which they may do. But I, it's, it's all going to depend on who they get in the Champions League group, really. But league-wise, um, they've definitely strengthened with who they've brought in. So... Be interested to see if they can do anything domestically. Maybe get a little bit further in the Pokal this season. Maybe even pick it up at the end of the season. And Johnny, um, you obviously would have seen uh, plenty of uh, RB Leipzig as well, but probably more so in their uh, well the year that they managed to get promoted, promoted just two years back. But how have uh, have you been impressed with uh, their progression? Have you been surprised by it? Uh, and what's your overall impression? I'll, that, they kind of love him or hate him, RB Leipzig. 
yeah, I think everyone knows where um, where I stand on that question. But on the pitch, uh, you know, it's really exciting to see such so many young players and so many exciting and talented players put together and gel so quickly. There's obviously the core of German players there, and Dominic Kaiser has been there almost the whole way through. And he'll obviously play a limited role with the new signings and whatever, but I, I think he's still an excellent guy to have around the club to bring these players in and show them around and show them you know, what it means to be RB Leipzig as such. And you, you guys were talking about depth there. I think their new transfers have done exactly that. They've brought in the players they need. Bruma is a really exciting addition. I didn't see any of the games, unfortunately, but the way Hasenhutl was talking, I think it's, you know, really, really positive signs there. I think they've progressed well. I wasn't that surprised that they did well when they came up to um, Bundesliga. I think it was almost a case of, yes, this is what we expected to see from them. Obviously, people will go back to that the game in the snow at Freiburg and say that's where they didn't win the league and that's where things turned. But I think they, they raised the level to um, what they should have been in spite of Bundesliga. I think anyone who seen their squad then knew that they should have rolled that league, the league over no problem at all. They didn't. Now, harder competition, more more teams of their class, so to speak, and, and they showed that they can mix it with the very best. And I think it's only going to get better for them. Yeah, I think so. I, I can imagine them having a, a very, uh, well, a very successful season indeed. And I think they're, they're going to surprise some teams in the Champions League. But while well, RB Leipzig, uh, Bayern, uh, Dortmund um, have obviously been uh, striking a lot of headlines, as they always do, um, other sides in the Bundesliga have been busy as well. And we feel that it's only fair if we kind of look into them a, a little bit as well. Um, Manu, let's go to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, they've obviously made uh, quite a few signings uh, this summer. Uh, they finished the second half of last season uh, very strongly. Uh, how do you feel that they're going to get on this year? Yeah, I think they actually made some signings that... When you look at it across the board, it's it's actually kind of impressive, you know, bringing in uh, Matthias Ginter. Um, I did write an article on on that transfer in particular on Fußballstadt.com. I, I think that's a very good signing for them. Um, I, I thought that Matthias Ginter had a very good tournament at the Confederations Cup. I, I think he is um, a defender that is going to do quite well um, replacing Christensen, of course, who was headed to Chelsea after his loan spell was over. So that's a very good signing already. Dennis Zakaria, I heard only very good things from her about him. Um, you know, young Swiss midfielder. Um, the Switzerland is slowly but surely becoming... Um, a feeder, feeder league for Germany. Um, and I reason, there's very obvious reasons for it. It's a very similar style of play. And of course, the language, you know, if you play in Switzerland, you already know the language, the integration into the system is easier. And I'm, I'm really curious, you know, to see him play. He's only 20 years old. He's a meter 91, um, centimeters. So is it a big lad? Um, and, uh, bit of a box-to-box defensive midfielder. He, of course, is sort of supposed to replace Dahoud, although he's a very different player. It will be interesting to see how they're going to set that up. There's a lot of talk about um, Dieter Hacking going with three in the back uh, in the new season. So we'll see how that works out um, for them. Um, he will be... Zakaria will be important for them 
in that system. Um, another player who has really turned heads and he's only 17. That's, uh, Cuisance, uh, who's French signing, uh, Michael Cuisance and from eyes, Nancy Lorraine, very young still. Um, but Kramer has recently said that it's remarkable how far he is in his development already. And, you know, French players, there's a bit of a French invasion right now in German football. You see a lot of them come over and a lot of them do well right away. And, uh, Michael Cuisance, if he does keep up with his development and ho- keeps up his promise, you know, um, as a 17 year old, it wouldn't be uncommon for him to do right away step in and, um, you know, play a major role. We all looked at Dembele last season. We all thought, well, he's going to get some playing time, but we didn't think he would play as big as a role as he did. And the right away did very well. And, um, look out for Michael Cousins. He's going, I think he's doing to do quite well. Um, another signing and Chris, you probably know a bit more about him than I do is Reese Oxford. They brought him in from West Ham United and um, another defender, although a very, very talented one. Uh, yeah, he is. He's very, very talented. Obviously, he's a West Ham player. He's spent um, half the season on loan at Reading, who are a um, championship side, so uh, equivalent Bundesliga two side. Yeah, he is. He can, he can play a little bit higher, so he can play defensive midfield if he has to, which I think is always a bit of a, um, an advantage if you're a centre-back because all of a sudden you become a ball-playing centre-back. And I think a ball-playing centre-back is key in German football, like it is to some extent in Spanish football. Um, I will be interested to see how um, he fits in, whether he gets a start um, or whether he's sort of going to be under Ginter's um, guide for a while. Uh, but he's definitely an exciting player, an exciting talent. And we've spoken a lot how young players tend to get a little bit of a better run in the Bundesliga than um, some other leagues, especially uh, in the English League, the Premier League. Um, and this, you can only see this is why West Ham have allowed him to go on a season-long loan because he's going to go to a strong league and he's going to get the ability to play a good side, Gladbach are a good side, um, and also he'll be tested weekly with um, with great attacking play, fast attacking play. Um, so he is certainly a guy that can um, cope with the quick transition of German football. Um, don't forget, he's only young; he's eighteen. Um, so yeah, and another big guy himself, one ninety-one. Um, so yeah, I'll be really excited to see how he gets on. And Gladbach are building something there. Obviously, they're a little bit off the boil last season, and we we're all surprised about that. I, I sort of get the feeling that they really could be not one to shock us because of the size and the history of the club. I wouldn't be shocked if they, be, you know, were a lot better. But I will. I think we will be shocked at how good they are this coming season. I can see them knocking on the door at top four. Yeah, another player that I kind of want to point out is Julio Julio Villalba, young striker who they signed actually already in January from uh, Cerro Portino. A park wine and was now completed his move um, because you know as a non-EU national you have to be 18 in order to to roof to Europe and Gladbach have been looking for that all-in-all striker Josef Trimmage has been a bit of a disappointment since he's come in and I'm really curious to see him play I think the Gladbach have a bit of an advantage because there is, they don't play in Europe this year, right? So they can focus. And we have seen Bundesliga teams that have sort of fallen out of the European space places, 
do very well in a season where they basically can develop and a little bit rebuild. So that's a side I, I would actually keep a close eye on to. I think that Gladbach, um, something is happening there. Um, and that's a team to keep an eye on. I mean, one player in particular who we're probably going to see next year in Russia is Lars Stindl, right? Chris, he's, he was one of the standout players at the Confederations Cup. Um, a player that doesn't get enough credits in, in a lot of ways, but really has shown the world that he, he can play football. Oh, I, I've got a lot of time for Lars Dindel. If I was building a, um, if I was building my own um, Bundesliga team, I would definitely be on my list of players to sign. I thought he had a fantastic um, second part of the season. Um, he's got a hat trick over in Fiorentina, didn't he? Um, which just showed his capabilities. Um, and I think, yeah, I think he's going to be a real key member of Germany's World Cup side next year. Um, and don't forget, um, they've also got Vincenzo Grifo. Um, mm. I don't know if you mentioned him, Manu. No. But he had a standout season at Freiburg, who were one of the standout teams last season. So I'll be interested to see how Grifo's uh, brought into the Gladbach lineup. That's why I'm I'm in the same camp as you, Manu. I think they could do big things this coming season. And Griefer was a steal. Market value was 10 million euros and they got him for six because he had an exit clause. So yeah, I should have mentioned him because that is a real big transfer. Yeah, I don't know how other sides didn't come in and try and steal him as well. I, I very highly rate him. I, I think it's a big loss to uh, Freiburg, but you know, what's a loss to them is a massive gain to uh, Gladbach. Uh, Johnny, uh, obviously, I'm talking about Bruce uh, Munchen Gladbach. I mean, they've obviously had a very successful time in the 70s. And I'm going to ask you, how far away do you think they are from uh, having another very successful spell? Obviously, maybe not to win the league, but, you know, to to kind of uh, become one of the the greater sides uh, in German football. I think it's all there for them, to be honest. I think um, Dieter Hacking's the right man to take them forward. I know there's a lot of doubt over him at the start, but I think he is a manager who can build something. I think he's brought in the right players. You know, you guys touched on Grifo. I think that's a steal. You you said it already. Set pieces wise, he is up there with the best in, in the world. And um, Florian Neuhaus as well scored for Fortuna Dusseldorf this evening. The the two two against um, Eintracht Braunschweig. He'll he'll come back from uh, that loan spell next season, and I could really see him breaking through and, and making a big impact. I, Almost similarities to the hood in that sense that um, he's that sort of player in the middle. Um, whether or not they can recreate that um, that great side of the seventies, I'm not quite sure. But I do think that um, they are making the right steps and the right transfers at the moment towards doing that. And you know, with the likes of Lars Bindel and and Jan Sommer at the club, I can only see them going forward this season. And I do think they'll be in the Champions League spots come the end of uh, come the end of May. Yeah, I think a great shout with that, Johnny. Um, I, I must say, when uh, Hacking took over there, I kind of thought, why would they possibly, you know, bring him on when he's he's been having a you know a bit of a poor season uh, at at Wolfsburg? But yeah, he he did a hell of a job last year, and yeah, I I think he's really turned them into a side that's even very attractive to watch as well. So um, I I think it'll be exciting to. Uh, to witness how they get on this year. They'll be starting off their league campaign um, at home to Cologne. Uh, but we're going to move on to another one of uh, the sides that would be hoping to do a little bit better, to be honest, in the Bundesliga, and that's Schalke. Uh, Chris, um, Schalke are going to be 
well, pretty much desperate to get back into European football. Uh, do you see that happening this year? I mean, they've held on to the likes of uh, Gretzka, haven't they? Uh, and he's been linked to uh, many uh, clubs. And, uh, you know, after seeing him at the uh, Confederations Cup, you know, we, we realized, you know, or it just enforced, sorry, just how good a player he actually is. Yeah, he's a very good player. Um, it looks like he's not moving um, where we all thought he was going to go. There was uh, some chat, wasn't there, that came from Bild originally that he had already signed uh, agreements to go to Bayern. Uh, that doesn't look like it's the case. I think he spoke to Mark Lovell this morning of ESPN, and um, Mark, who, who we know very well on this show, pushed out an article saying that um, he's basically sick of all the talk that he's getting around him going to Bayern Munich. So you can take that one of two ways. Either he's exceptionally good at playing poker or he's genuinely um, getting fed up with all this talk and it's come out of nowhere. Um, You said that Schalke will be glad to get back to um, European places. I think, Bryce, for me, they'll be glad not to have a start similar to the start they had last season, which not only were they rooted to the bottom of the table... They picked up injuries left, right and centre, the, I mean, the biggest one being Koke moving from Sevilla, uh, who didn't even play until I think it was mid-April by the time he got into the first team. So he, don't underestimate what a fantastic right back he is. Um, and, you know, they were, they were besieged by injuries at one point. It seemed that, you know, almost everyone was getting injured at some point and out of two games here, three games here, four months here, and they had a really, really poor start, but they sort of pulled it together and then they pushed on. But you would expect with the quality that they've got in that squad that they would be knocking on the door of top six this season, most definitely. Yeah, I completely agree. I think they went five games, a five-game losing streak at the start of the season, didn't they, last year? An absolute shocking beginning. Uh, Manu, do, do you agree? Do you reckon that they're going to be thereabouts to European spots? Well, we have some doubts of Domenico Tedesco. Um, don't we, Chris? That's, that's. Yeah, I'm big... so I'm sort of, I'm sort of warming a little bit to him now. Yeah. So I might have, I might have just shot from the hip and <laughs> when I came out and said that I don't know why he got that job. So that might be me going out a little half cock. Um, but yeah, I'll reserve, well, it's probably best if I take a step backwards and say I will reserve my judgment yeah. until match day six. I, <laughs> I was. I'd just like to say I was the one that. Hey, I know. That I, I'm going to I know gamble on that he might do well. Well, you like to gamble, but, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, uh, I still I mean, have. Probably... I still have some issues with it. I think that he did quite well Erzgebirge Aue, but it was a very short spell. I mean, Johnny, you probably want to touch on that in a moment as well. But I think that Schalke is such a different beast. Um, as a club. And I mean that not necessarily because they this huge successful club. It's just when it comes to teams that generate news and um, the, where fans and the people and the surroundings can really have an influence on the club, they're up there in the world with anyone. And um, that has always been made it a very difficult place to work. I think Christian Heidel found this out the hard way last season where he went from nice and quiet minds to uh, what is a cauldron uh, in Schalke, um, a very difficult place to work. And he's seeing that now with this Leon Goretzka story. He was in the headlines today saying, well, they, we actually still talking to Goretzka about a new contract. Uh, is this and that. And 
you know, um, Goretzka is an amazing, fantastic player and they need him if they want to have any chance. And, um, I think Tedesco is walking into the situation, you know, where you, the club hasn't reached Europe. There is a big question mark behind who is now their biggest star player because of what happened at the Confederation Cup, Leon Goretzka. Players like Brea Limbolo, um, who are coming back from injury. It's, we still don't know how well he's going to recover from that injury. Then there's a bunch of players in that squad. Donis, uh, Avdijai, um, caused a bunch of steers during training camp. We don't know what's going to happen with Yevan Konoblanka. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? It looks like he's for now going to stay, even though he fired Vinesil more or less on Ukrainian television. Don't forget that episode. Um, but it's going to happen with Max Meyer. Another big question mark, in my opinion. It's just, you know, there, there is so many question marks about this side. And to go in as a young coach who's only been with our for it was not even half a season it was three or four months and yes he did save that club um mostly because my own team went into self-destruction mode i think it's a difficult one um to be quite honest and i think it's it's a very difficult one to walk into uh, as a 31 coach 31 year old coach and um I, I I reserve my judgment at this point, but I still have a lot of doubts. Now, Manu, before we go to Johnny, who will be able to uh, share his opinion on it as well, as he would have watched them rather closely in Bundesliga too. Do you think Schalke maybe seen the success of uh, Nagelsmann and thought, yeah, we need a young manager as well. Let's bring him in. Young coach, sorry. Yeah, but, you know, that, that there might be something to that, but... Um, Hoffenheim is a very different club than Schalke is. You know, Hoffenheim, when they brought in Nagelsmann, they didn't expect that Nagelsmann would even save them. And he, he did um, from relegation. But that expectation wasn't there. Schalke, the expectation is if the Desco wins the first three or four games, the expectations in Schalke, and I kid you not, will be that they're going to win the championship. You will have Schalke fans singing about the championship, about when they won the UEFA Cup. You know, they're going to say glory, glory days and all that kind of stuff. And then he will lose to, and it will go from everything is great to everything is horrible within one or two games. And that's not the case at Hoffenheim. It's a completely different beast. Well, they obviously start their season off against RB Leipzig. Then they're away to Hanover. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting... Uh Start from and then Stuttgart. Wow, uh, but Johnny, you, you obviously um, watch plenty of uh, Bundesliga two as we know. Uh, what's your take on this appointment? I really like Tedesco. To be honest with you, I think he's a great manager, and you know what Manu said sums it up perfectly. Schalke is a, a cauldron in 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 the middle of the Ruhr Valley, whereas um, Aue is their stadiums in the middle of a forest. So, you know, in terms of comparison, I think that actually works quite well. I really like him as a coach. I think he, he can do really good things with Schalke. We've obviously seen what he can do at Aue. He, he turned them around completely. And, you know, maybe they're looking at it from the perspective of Hoffenheim. Of course, Tedesco came from Hoffenheim to go to Aue. He, he maybe wasn't expected to save them. He did save them. He went on an incredible run. I think he only lost one or two games. So you, you can't really fault him there. And maybe the Schalke are looking at that and saying, if he saved them under no pressure, maybe he can come to us and do the same. 
But um, like Manu said, Schalke is a completely different beast to, to what Bawa are. You know, there's so many different different things going on in the background. We spoke about Heidel and and the player power as well. You know, Konoplyanka obviously is, is one big story from that. And what, what's going to happen with Goretzka and Max Meyer and Rilembolo coming back from injury as well. I think he will do well. And I, I just hope that the Schalke fans can... And keep their expectations in check. I think if they, they do give Tedesco some time and, and let him work his, work his way with this team, I think it could be a really exciting squad and maybe a couple more additions as we go into January and next and next season if he gets that far. That is, um, we could be looking at a, a really strong side that are pushing back towards the top four. I don't think they're quite on Gladbach's level this um, this season, and I think um, top six is probably where they're aiming for at the moment. Yeah, definitely. So it's going to be exciting just to watch uh, Schalke, well, just to see if they do any better this season, but but also uh, with Tedesco in charge, uh, I'll definitely uh, be tuning in with a keen interest. I'm sure all of us will be. But let's move on again to the next club. Let's speak uh, Hamburg. Obviously, um, Hamburg haven't had a great time of it either, but um, Manu, um, they're they're a big club, and boy, did they... uh, did they rely on Sio Papadopoulos last, last season when he was on? They seemed to do very well, but unfortunately, um, his injury seemed to take a big toll on them. And yeah, I mean, if he could stay fit, uh, do you think it's going to be a, a different season for them? He will, he is one of the key players. Um, I think we, we all were impressed how he came in last winter and, Basically shouldered all the expectations and, um, was for me one of the main reasons they stayed in the league. Remember, they're the first team to stay in the league despite not winning the first 10 games. Um, it's actually a remarkable achievement last season that they actually stayed in. Um, I think that they have done some quite good things over the summer. Um, I think the, like Schalke, the fans will be the issue. What about, I mean, expectations are going to be, you know, the big question mark. Um, how are Marcus Gistol and his boys going to handle that? Uh, I like that they brought in Julian Pollersbeck as the goalkeeper. I think he was one of the main reasons they did as, that the German did as well as they did uh, at the U21 European Championships. Of course, he had a um, few issues during the preparation, um, didn't always handle the ball very well. Maybe the expectations are getting to him, but long term, he will be a fantastic goalkeeper for them. Right now, he and Christian Martina, I can even see them, um, you know, rotating a little bit. Bringing Hahn in, that is a fantastic signing. Um, the speed that, you know, that he will bring to the side, um, in support of Bobby Wood, I think that's going to make them very dangerous. Especially when you look that they also have um, someone like Philip Kostic, um, who I rank very highly, and I do hope that you know Valas, the Brazilian, who, who was criticised quite heavily um, towards the end of the season, alongside with Dr. Santos and the other Brazilian, who also won the gold medal at Rio. Um, I hope that with the club being in more stable waters, that they can. Um, that they can do what they need to do to stabilize this club um, and maybe maybe manage a season without relegation battle. I think that would be already a miracle for Hamburg. 
Yeah, I definitely think they're going to be doing their best to avoid that relegation uh, playoff once again, or or even worse. Um, let's just see how that pans out for them. Chris, uh, before we move on to uh, Bundesliga 2, let's uh, briefly just touch on Freiburg. Uh, they played their UEFA Cup uh, the first oh, leg. Oh, look at you showing your age. Yeah. Oh. You do this every time when I get the titles wrong. Sorry, the, you, <laughs> and we all know what you meant, Bryce. Europa League third round qualifying game one. Yes, they did. <laughs> there, they won it. They won it one 0 against Domzali. You, you kind of took, like, well, filled us in a little bit um, on on who Domzali were previously, but uh, they managed to win one 0 uh, That puts them a good stead for the away tie. Uh, what can you tell us uh, about it? Oh, well, it's going to be a tough game for them, isn't it? Um, they're going to have to go all the way to Slovenia and and try and... I don't know if they're going to have to hang on, but it's it's going to be a hard one. If they can nick an early away goal, they're pretty much through. Um, or do they sit back and try and defend, which they can do, um, and maybe hit them on the break? It's probably where you think they will go with. But then there's, all, there's always a danger when you play away in a Europa League um, qualifying round that you leak a goal early um, and, and your back's up against the wall, especially if the home crowd are there. But I mean, I was exceptionally impressed with how they went about their business because don't forget they're in pre-season mode and they've had to come out of pre-season mode and go straight into competition mode, which is not easy for any club, um, and let alone Freiburg, who have hemorrhaged a few players. And we spoke about that on the last pod. So I won't go over that ground again, but it was, it was crucial that they came away from the first leg with a positive result and they did that and the positive result would have been either a draw or getting that all important home goal and they got that in the end which is which is going to be crucial to take away and I just hope that they get through because then we're into the main playoff round and then all the big guys come in and then they're just really crossing their fingers and hoping they don't get one of the um, big teams from either England or Spain and they may have a chance of going through to the group stages but I'll say it again, and we said it on the last pod, and we said it to the back end of last season. Will this hurt them? Will a will a run in the Europa League hurt them? Mm. Could they exit at the next round and be okay? We had a little go in Europe, um, although we didn't make the group stages. I I just worry that if they get to the group stages, they now don't have the squad depth to be able to cope with that. And and what's worse, do you want to get battered in front of their cameras um, across Europe in the Europa League, or? Do you want to sacrifice some sort of Bundesliga stability? And, you know, by the time the group stages finish around the Christmas period, just before we're going into the winter break, are they, you know, finding themselves in 16th or 17th place and out of touch with the league? It's going to be a, it's going to be a real tough um, couple of months for them. And I'm not sure whether staying in Europe is the best thing for them at the moment. Um, Although it does bring a multitude of opportunity of enhancement for the club. Um, greater notification from the club on a European scale and they get all that I would just fear that a Europa League group stage might be really harmful for them Yeah we can just hope that uh, Freiburg uh, can manage to balance both to be honest uh, because they were a joy to watch last year Uh, let's hope that the Europa League Got it, Chris. Um, yeah hopefully it doesn't affect them uh, domestically but let's use Johnny. Johnny's here. Johnny knows plenty about Bundesliga too. And he's waited long enough while we talked about the uh, the top move down into Bundesliga 2, uh, where 
it all kicked off this weekend. So on Friday night, um, Chris and Manu kind of mentioned in the previous pod that Bochum would probably be the team to watch this season uh, as they've, they've looked very lively pre-season. Um, unfortunately, things didn't quite go their way. They managed to lose at home to St. Pauli. Uh, Johnny, what was your take on this game? And do you think this is just a minor blip? Uh, how do you fancy Bochum uh, and their chances of getting promoted? I think it is just going to be a blip. I hope it's just going to be a blip. But um, equally, you know, I thought it was funny that um, Bilt went after um, Ishmael Adelan, the new head coach, after um, Gertjan Verbeek was sacked. Um, they, they went after him and said his formation was um, wrong or the system didn't work, even though it's the exact same system that um, Verbeek played in Bochum. So I'm not quite sure um, where that criticism had come from. I think some probably were absolutely excellent. They, they probably deserved the win on, on the basis of how dominant they were in the first half. They could have had two or three goals in the first first 10 or 15 minutes, really. They were really, really good, really, really lively. It's been a long, long time since I've seen a team disrupt Bochum to, to the level that St. Pauli did in the first half, and I think they deserve a huge amount of credit for that. Olaf Janssen seems to have picked up um, perfectly where um, Eva Lienen left off last season after their miracle run in the in the Rupgrunde. Christopher Bookman starting the season off with a goal. I think he is the catalyst in that team as much as Bernd Neig is, um, is their captain. I think he is their 10, he is their 8, and he is their 6 all rolled into one. I have an awful lot of time for him as a player, and I think um, he's only going to get better as the season goes on. St. Pauli showed their credentials as a, as a side that can get promoted um, with this win, you know, packed out um, uh, Ruhr Stadion, and um, they did the business. They, they got in amongst it early on. They were physical when they needed to be. They got the win. I think this will just be a bit, will just be a blip for um, Bochum, and um, hopefully they'll uh, get back on track against um, Duisburg next weekend. So, so do you see uh, Bochum uh, having a bit of a push um, uh, and possibly coming out? Um, well, not, not just in the in the top two positions uh, and and going into uh, Bundesliga, but possibly winning the league. I think um, winning the league might be might be a bit beyond the team this season. I think so long as they're in the mix for um, those top three three places, I think they're going to be doing well. Obviously, scored a lot of goals in in preseason. Added Robbie Cruz at the at the very end, and um, to have him and uh, Lucas Hinterseer out for um, for the first game was a bit of a blow, but. I thought Diamantakos did well when he got the ball. There wasn't a lot of service to him. I think he'll maybe play a 4-2-3-1 instead of the 3-4-1-2 when it comes to, to Duisburg on Saturday um, and let Chalotzi um, sit in beside Lucia for a bit more protection. I, I don't think the 3-5-2 really worked against him, probably whether it does or not against him. Duisburg is another question, but I think you're going to see the likes of... Uh, of Nuremberg, Union Berlin, and um, even though Ingolstadt um, lost to Union, I think they're going to be right up there as well as St. Pauli. Yeah, no, obviously, um, Chris, uh, you and I were messaging about the uh, Bochum uh, St. Pauli game, uh, and we were saying, uh, well, firstly, we were quite surprised how Bochum didn't really. Um, appear as strong as we anticipated them to, but we were saying just how impressed we were with St. Pauli. Um, they looked good, didn't they? Yeah, they did, and I, I'm unsure how they were in 3-4-0 up at half-time, uh, and that just sometimes happens, doesn't it? Um, but, you know, 
I, I thought it was 55, 60 minutes before Bochum came into it. And they had that, I think it was a five or 10 minute spell. And Johnny will have seen it for himself where I think they were unfortunate not to score. It just seemed that the final ball was um, still maybe a week or so away. And you would hope that they can just turn that round on the training ground within this week. So when they play their next game, that that's ratified. It was, um, I think it was just a final ball that let them down because there was plenty of time when the strikers were in advanced roles. Um, and if the right ball had fallen to them, you would have expected another four or five opportunities to come knocking. So I can see why Johnny's not too concerned. Um, it was just their slow start for me. Um, and the fact that St. Pauli were, were rampant in, um, in their new brick shirt. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I quite like the shirt, if I'm honest. Uh, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll move on from that game. Uh, talk about one of the games that featured on Saturday. Um, Union Berlin, uh, we, we went there last year, didn't we? We did a live pod from it, from their grounds. It was absolutely spectacular. But on this uh, occasion, they were away from home. They were away to uh, recently relegated uh, Ingolstadt. So they managed to pull off a 1-0 victory uh, on the road. Uh, Chris, as uh, Johnny said, you know, they've got to be one of the favourites to go up this season, haven't they? I mean, they were strong last year, but missed out. Um, well, it more or less died of death when we were there. Uh, but they, this year, they, they should be one of the hot favourites to go up, right? Yeah, they will. And I'm sure there'll be lots of teams now panicking on who we go and see on match day 33 this coming <laughs> season um, in Bundesliga 2. Um, but yeah, you would think they're going to have the chance to, to go, auto, I would say, automatically this season because um, I think they've got all the all the parts. If and They're almost like a cake. They've got all the right ingredients. It just needs to be baked correctly. They've got a fantastic stadium. They've got a um, immensely set, um, a man, immensely passionate set of fans. And um, I just think they've got all the key ingredients that could, could make them go up. And the fact that they won away um, at Ingolstadt, who I thought may have been a little bit stronger than they were, but they weren't. Um, Union managed to um, snaggle a win out of there. I, I've got high hopes for them, and um, who knows, maybe we'll get to put the curse on them again in May. <laughs> I hope not, and especially for any of the Union fans. Um, Johnny, w- would you say that uh, Union Berlin are, are probably the favourites to, to win the title? I would say after the, the performance on Saturday, yes, you know, it was, as Chris has already said, it's a really tough game going going away and starting away against um my favourites for, for the league title anyway. I think the, the win on Saturdays maybe changed that opinion a little bit. It wasn't pretty by any means. It, it wasn't the greatest game either. It was a bit of a come down actually after the, the Bochum St. Pauli game. But um, Christopher Trimmel's goal, I, I don't think he'll ever hit a ball sweeter in his life. It was um, it was one of those half volleys that didn't really rise but rose enough just to make it look really special. And, uh, what a goal great time to get it as well they, they just got a, a little bit of dominance and that sort of capped it off when they, they needed to get something had further chances to do so Ingolstadt were quite unlucky as well um, a few chances that Dario Lescano maybe should have took and um, a few late penalty appeals one I thought was pretty much nailed on I can't remember who who was fouled but I can just picture Stefan Kuchka uh, running over and giving uh, Sasha Stegeman uh, a little bit of verbal afterwards but um, yeah fantastic um, win for Union and that should set them up for a great season um, Manu, we're just going to go to you briefly because you you mentioned that uh, Onion are, are going to expand their stadium. Is that correct? I mean, it, you know, that that that's a massive news for them. Yeah, it is massive news. Um, Onion 
have a beautiful stadium, as we already know. I mean, the walk up through the park, that um, smell of barbecued sausages as you get closer and, um, you know, the very loud atmosphere. And those who listen, haven't listened to the podcast when we were there, um, highly recommend it. It's, it's a fantastic atmosphere all around. And the problem, of course, is that the Alte Försterei is um, relatively small. I think it fits 18,000 people at the moment, which is, of course, mm -hmm. not not big enough for the club's ambitions. Uh, the club's ambitions are Bundesliga. The club's ambitions are to be um, a team that, you know, not only gets promoted with the Bundesliga, but actually can stay there. And um, for that, you need a stadium that is much bigger than what they have right now. And so they unveil plans. These plans are online. You can see them um, to expand the stadium to 39,000 seats. Um, that's a quite a significant expansion. And, you know, um, having an almost 40,000 uh, seat stadium, although seat is the wrong word, because I think, believe the majority, I think three quarters of the Tickets that you can buy will remain standing only. Um, so they will have some of the largest standing uh, tribune in Germany, um, which is great. I think that's actually real positive. Despite the expansion, mm -hmm. the club is going to remain um, a team, you know, a, a club where very, very much rooted um, to the traditions of Union and the standing tribune, the major standing tribune um, is going to remain a major feature. And I think that's, that's very, um, very positive. Uh, another positive thing is, uh, Russ Dunbar, someone we quite know quite well, right? Chris, um, from Twitter, but also from reporting for Deutsche Welle. He's going to head up their English social media, I believe it was, right? And, um, social media strategy and media strategy in general. So I believe that Union have identified that they are a club that's quite popular in the English speaking world. Um, there's obvious reasons for that. I mean, Chris, you mentioned how often um, the atmosphere is something that's very much gone in most English stadiums nowadays, and the atmosphere is loud even for German standards. So he's um, heading that up, and I think that's going to um, really open up the club. Of course, it's a fine balance. St. Pauli is someone, is a club that have to deal with that all the time, that fine balance between being a global brand, because that's what St. Pauli is, but still be rooted in that kind of alternative um, club kind of um, be an alternative club and be a global uh, marketing company at the same time is, is a very fine line. So uh, you are going to tackle this, but I believe someone like Ross Dunbar is, is probably a pers perfect person to do this. Um, and it's, I'm really curious to see how, how it's going to work out for them because I know that my own club, 1860, um, we're, we're trying to go down that route now, um, since we've returned to our own old stadium, become a bit of an alternative. And, um, I am curious to see how they're going to balance that, but things are going very well for Union. It's, um, right steps into the right development. Well, guys, normally at this point, um, right at the end of the podcast, I would get you to pick um, a game each uh, that we would uh, advise people to tune into. But I'm only going to ask Johnny for it, and then we're going to wrap things up. Johnny, obviously, you're you're the guru of uh, Bundesliga 2. What game should everyone tune into next week? What would you like to highlight? 
I think there's quite a few games next week um, that we could look at and highlight. You know, um, Kaiserslautern against Darmstadt is um, local enough to be a derby. Duisburg Bochum is is a Kleines uh, Riviera derby. Union or no Duisburg against Bochum, not Union. Um, Union against Kiel will be a great game on Friday night. I have no doubt about that. If anyone's seen them, um, how they got on um, on Sunday, amazing last minute goal from um, Marvin Dukes, um got them a draw. Uh, and of course, St. Pauli Dunamo Dresden will be live on BT Sport. I would I would say that one for um, the football purists and those who love a great atmosphere. But um, yeah, I think um, in pure football terms, um, Union and um, Kiel will be um, one to watch. And um, yeah, definitely tune in and and give the league a go. You know, it deserves more coverage. Um, quite a few people I spoke to this week have said how impressed they were with the league after watching the the Bochum games. So give it a go. Kiel play really direct. Um, really exciting football with um, Liverens and uh, Schindler on the wings and Dux up front. So there's plenty to plenty to enjoy there. And of course, we, we've talked at length about Union and what's exciting about them. So that would be my game to watch, and uh, I hope it lives up to expectation now. Yeah, well, if you uh, listened last week, you'll know that I picked uh, the Kill game, and because it was their first one in the league, and I was hoping that they were going to do well, and they got a 95th minute equaliser. Get in. So yeah, good choice, Johnny, I would say. We're going to call it there, guys. It's been a great uh, pod. We have been absolutely blessed to have uh, Johnny on today. Johnny, where can people find you on Twitter uh, to learn more about what you have to say? I am at Jonathan Walsh underscore, and thank you all very much for having me. It's been a pleasure being here, and um, yeah, it's been great talking, not only Zweite Bundesliga, but um, everything else, German football as well. Thank you very much for coming on. Always great to have another Northern Irish man on here as well. I'm going to be a little bit biased on that one. But thank you all for tuning in. Um, hopefully you enjoyed uh, this week's podcast. We'll have another one out very soon for you. Auf Wiedersehen. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E. 
AV on YouTube.